Hello and welcome to Glitch Cube, we're a gaming podcast and each week we take a deeper look into the art of video games. As always, I'm Christian. I'm Chris. And welcome back everybody. Thank you guys for joining us once again as we dive further into the world of games. So this week we are going to be discussing something that we've talked about a few times, right? Uh, we've talked about it a lot, especially in our other podcast, Murder of Grey. Uh, you guys can go check that out. It's a pretty fun one about moral ethical dilemmas. But we are going to be discussing the topic of AI. Oh, no. It's, I mean, it's something that you can't get away with or get away from. It's taking over pretty much every aspect of everything out there from homework to resume writing to uh, essay, you know, just everything. Artwork, even video and content generation now is being generated by AI. And, you know, that has a lot of people concerned or a little freaked out, which is understandable. But you still have to do some cleanup. There's still some post-processing work as well. Uh, I mean, the big question is, is AI being used as a tool or is it a replacement for people? That's kind of a big concern there. Now, the reason why we bring AI up is because there is a huge gaming giant out there that has been actively speaking out that they are going to be aggressively using AI with the future of their company, right? With the future games that they're going to be developing. And that, of course, is Square Enix. Everybody knows Square Enix, right? I mean, Final Fantasy, all that great stuff. Dragon Quest, you know, who doesn't love Square Enix? They've done some of the biggest games out there. Uh, and they've made some very compelling stories. A lot of them have a lot of content and dialogue. And, you know, it's, I mean, they're huge. Think about any RPG out there that has any sort of NPCs or anything like that. There's a lot of dialogue. There's a lot of information. There's a lot of stuff going on. And what Square Enix has been doing lately is pumping out a lot of content. Uh, they, of course, have their big AAA games out there, right? Like your Final Fantasy games. Uh, but on the back burner, they've been putting out a lot of different styles of games and a lot of different genres out there. But they all have that Square Enix feel and vibe to them. So we're going to talk a lot about how we might think that AI might be, um, you know, incorporated into this aggressive style of hitting the gaming market from every single facet. Uh, talk a lot about not their AAA games, but their AA games uh, mostly, but maybe tap into a little bit of the AAAs as well. Uh, and some of the other weird things that Square Enix has been doing too. They seem to be following a lot of trends. Uh, they might be following this trend though, uh, this other one, a little too late in the game. And based on the trailer of it, it's very confusing. But we'll talk about that one a little bit later in the episode. So before we dive too far into, you know, Square Enix and the specifics and things like that and talk about some of their AA games, um, how do you feel about AI being used in gaming? Like when you first heard about that concept, what areas did you think were the obvious ones in which they can go and use AI for? Uh, oh, boy. Um, I When I used to think about it, when people were first bringing it up, I thought, oh, this would be a possibly great tool for 
say like character conversations right pad out like say you're in a busy city like say think about grand theft auto 5 right what if every individual you come across randomly talks to you says something now granted it would need to be confined in a way that makes sense right like with ai you're gonna get one person saying like did you slip on that banana peel haha like that kind of crap right Right? like you always run that issue but i'm like thinking oh like to me i i always would rather have a real person make something obviously but I think if it would come to the point where it's like, oh, did they want to maybe do a little bit of it where it's like, oh, it somehow livens something up. Sure. I I think if people were to use it to come up with ideas, that'd be better rather than using the finished product. Because mm-hmm. um, I think that you know, in a lot of ways, how I look at AI, right, especially with, like, image generation is, like, now, granted, I'm not an artist. I wish I was. But I would, instead of, say, spending a few hours drawing up a design and then end up hating it because I don't like the way it looks, I could just feed it a prompt, see if I like the idea, and be like, okay, now I want to do something like that on my own, right? Like, basically using AI as a way to generate ideas. Mm-hmm. And I think like that could be useful with games. It's just because it's so new, everyone is afraid that it's going to replace, you know, people, right? It's going to replace stories. It's going to do all this, which in my opinion, especially for like, say a $60 game I would not trust AI to give me a story that right. is going to be mind-blowing, you know? And it's, I don't think we're at that point yet. Do I feel like they would be able to create conversations with characters? I think we're finally getting to that point. But to me, I still think it'd be a little too early to rely on AI just because it has such a negative rep especially in the game industry, like pretty much across the bar, everyone doesn't want AI used in their games, understandably. But I think if say Square Enix were to somehow prove everyone wrong and be like, Hey, like, look, we used it for this idea and look how it, you know, feels real, I guess would be the way to say it. Like maybe they could be the beacon that would do that. Now, I don't think they have a very uh, good rep when this comes to this kind of stuff because I know that they've tried, you know, NFTs. And <laughs> I, I heard, well, the thing is, is that when they were really getting NFTs, it was very big in Japan, which surprisingly, NFTs, I don't know if they still are big out there. I mean, they're not big anymore in general, but no, it sounds like the trend has definitely died across, you know, the whole NFT market. Yeah. And I guess over there, it, they were still going strong when they were mentioning that. So, I mean, it makes sense that they brought it up because they're like, oh, in, you know, the native country where 
their company is from, it makes sense like, oh, this is the big thing over here. We want to jump on it versus say over here in the US where it's like, uh, it's dying, bro. Like, why are you doing that? Mm-hmm. So it's, I get that they're trying to be very progressive and trying to jump on new trends before other companies do because they think that it probably will help them profit more. And when you look at the, the basically what's been going on revenue wise with Square Enix, like it makes sense that they're trying to jump on these things because they're losing money. Um, I think they were down like billions of dollars, like two billion uh, this last year because they thought that Final Fantasy 16 would sell more. I think it sold a few million copies, but but they also I guess they're expecting some major things or major components of their company for this NFT stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like they automatically took a loss on this huge gamble that doesn't really make any sense. And the game that they made from it, like the trailers are so cryptic. It like it feels like you need to pay to just understand the trailer itself. It's, Wait, they had a trailer for it? They did, yeah. Um, it's oh, The game is called uh, Symbiogenesis. It, like, that's the actual trailer for it. And the trailer itself is kind of ridiculous. There's absolutely nothing in it. It is it is a very dark, <laughs> like, it just shows, like, a, a disconnected world that is, like, blacked out. And it seems like you have to pay for certain aspects in order to unlock different parts of the story. Uh, Square Enix has come out and said that the, you don't need to actually buy anything in order to play the game, but there are you know different aspects in this title that will have it. And uh, they're making 10,000 NFTs, and they're trying to sell them as video game items um, within, this, uh, within the game Symbiogenesis. But it's, you know, like, it's kind of ridiculous. And all the NFTs that they're creating currently are of games that, or most of them are, like, of, like, Final Fantasy stuff, you know, like, uh, NFT playing cards and stuff like that that you can purchase, which will unlock different aspects of the story, supposedly. Uh, But there's, it's still very cryptic as far as what this game is going to actually be, right? So it's not very clear of what the direction is on it. So it's it's kind of bizarre, right? And to kind of go back to the AI thing and what they're using it for, what it could be used for, uh, I know that conversations are a big part of it. Uh, they're definitely using it to create different things, but it's they're, from a lot of the articles I read, it is mainly going to be used for background characters or NPCs, right? The main dialogue and the main storyline is still being created by humans, but there might be an AI component as far as a stepping stone as to create a world in which that people are now building on top of or creating characters that they would then build on top of. Uh, but the the kind of craziest thing I think that they're doing is that they're not just using AI to generate the script for their um, NPCs. They're actually using AI-generated like speech as well. And there's a couple of games out there mm. recently that have been using AI speech uh, in their games. One of the ones that got hit the hardest uh, for doing this was The Finals. Uh, the Finals just came out oh, last yeah. year. Uh, it 
actually got pretty big for a little bit there. Uh, I tried it out. It was okay. It's a fun game, whatever. Uh, but all of the the actual speech in the finals is AI generated. So the scripts might be written by a person, but the actual speaking people <laughs> or speaking thing or the speaking parts are done by AI, which obviously this is having, um, you know, voice actors in an uproar. They're pretty upset that it's it doesn't have actual people because the emotion isn't there anymore, right? Like you start losing that aspect. Uh, it's definitely a huge part of it because some of the simplest parts in a game are the voiceovers, especially in shooter games. Like I still remember listening to like, you know, Halo 1, right? And when you hear like Slayer or whatever, right? Like that was a real person saying that. And that's awesome. And like people know his name and like they know him based off of him just saying one word, right? And like that's a huge deal right there. Now, imagine if that was just a regular robot or just a chatbot, like it just wouldn't have this same weight or brevity behind it. Uh, but I can definitely see Square Enix doing this because in some of their smaller AA titles that have been coming out, yes, it is voice acted. And that's kind of like become a, a staple of most games nowadays is that we kind of expect it to be voice acted, even if it is small, right? So... But one of the big things and one of the big issues with some of these games, like with Diofield Chronicles, um, that game, is it? Yeah, Diofield Chronicle. Uh, that just, that's another Square Enix game, smaller title, but it's like an RTS style game where it's real time, but you can pause it, right? That kind of style. Uh, there, there is voice acting in it, but the biggest complaint is that there is no life behind the voices. Now, that was actually done by real voice actors. And so that means that the director that was, you know, guiding these voice actors along the way didn't do a great job. But it could be, you know, more justification for them to just say, well, if we hired voice actors, which cost X amount of money, uh, and the, we are getting complaints about the voice actors that they sound robotic, why don't we just use robots and say, fuck it, right? Like, and just cut that middleman out. We'll just use AI generated speech and just be done with it because people are already saying that the voice acting in games like Diofield sound like it was actually generated by AI speech. So why not, right? And if they are really losing billions of dollars, like they say they are, which the whole video game market is going through a huge, uh, you know, crash right now as far as the layoffs and things like that, then it kind of makes sense to just use AI speech. That's one less person you have to pay. Which is unfortunate because, you know, we have a lot of talented voice actors that are going to be out of money or aspiring voice actors that don't even have a chance anymore. And I think that's probably like it from my viewpoint, that is probably one of the most, I think, like harmful things to this because the pockets of voice actors are going to be smaller and smaller and only big name voice actors from the past are going to get called for jobs in the future for main characters. You're not going to see new emerging talent coming up unless they really know somebody or they get, you know, the right the right in or whatever it is because they're not getting a chance to make or to do work on other games if this trend of AI speech continues. So, I think that's probably one of the biggest things I'm concerned about when it comes to that. Yeah, that symbiogenesis like it, it I like how that little floating island looks, but it's like it, I don't know. It's kind of weird. Like it doesn't tell you anything, you know, like I feel like Square Enix does everything 
in its power to not give what their fans want. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it to me, like, it's a bummer because, you know, disregarding pre-merger, right? Before there was, you know, Squaresoft and Enix. But when you look at a lot of their bigger games, um, it it feels like they're always... picking something or doing something that just doesn't ever hit the mark anymore. And it's weird because there's been a few games of theirs I've played the past maybe two or three years that I absolutely love. I mean, mm-hmm. Final Fantasy 16, I still feel very mixed about in a lot of ways. And I think them being bummed that it didn't sell enough, I mean... It makes sense because it only came out on the PlayStation, right? So, I mean, you're locking it into one platform mm-hmm. because it is a good game. You know, for me, it didn't blow me away, but it's like, it's still good. But I think for me, some of their smaller titles are just have been really good recently. And if you look at their release schedule, for the past two years or hell since the pandemic, they've been just pumping out games like crazy. And granted, you know, most of these they publish. They didn't it's like either in-house developers and stuff like that, but it's not Square Enix themselves. But the amount of games that have come out, and honestly, a lot of them are pretty I don't say high quality, but they're really damn good. Yeah. You know, I'm like, I guess kind of like going backwards you know i think the latest one i played obviously was star ocean 2 right and Which i mean that was yeah an amazing uh remake and actually you know i was looking i was making a little list of some of the remakes they've done and not counting like the remasters because i know they did like a legend of mono one that didn't really change anything but like yeah star ocean 2 uh they did the act razor remake which looked cool um freaking love act razor a lot uh very out of nowhere for them and then they also did like all the saga re-releases they remade trails of mana they did live a live which i still need to get to and then the demo of it i can't really get into it yeah yeah it is a little weird but I guess Tactics Ogre is probably the big one I really want to play. Yeah. But, um, you know, it, it shows that, like, they're at least trying to bring back some of these old franchises. I know that Dragon Quest Three, that remake they want to do, it's kind of, they haven't talked about it in a while, which is kind of a bummer. But it's cool seeing them at least, like, acknowledge, like, their past titles and you know for them i think if they wanted easy money they would kind of do that because i mean look at star ocean like it it did really well and you look at um i think live live did really well too mm-hmm. just because it never came out over here but it they have such a big catalog that a lot of people want to play especially when you look at their early years on the PlayStation where they were very diverse 
with their catalog. I think Mm -hmm. if you look at their catalog now, I would say they're probably almost as diverse as back then. It's just different genres. Whereas back then, you know, they dipped in the fighting games. They had shoot-em-ups. They had almost every genre was touched, basically. Nowadays, you look at them, and it's mostly RPGs. There's some action ones. And, you know, there's some different ones, right? Like the card game. There's mm-hmm. uh, Dungeon Encounters, which is, you know, Dungeon Crawler. And it's really cool to see all this kind of experimentation. And granted, it seems like maybe half of these do well, or at least like have positive reviews, like on Steam. But I still like that they're trying new things. And. It's it's kind of odd how they don't congratulate those. Like every time like you would hear Square Enix in the news, it's always like, oh, we're ditching this studio because yeah. they they didn't do anything. Oh, we're going to merge this studio in. And it's like, can't you guys see like your, you know, your double A games, your like these little games that you guys are you're putting out there in the background are really damn cool. Like, you know, I was surprised Octopath 2 didn't get more coverage than it did. Like, it felt like it really came out and then just kind of disappeared. And Yeah, they didn't really focus um, on it that long, surprisingly. Yeah. I feel like they could have really advertised that more. Like, I'm looking at these three games right now, and everyone that has talked about these three games, have said so many good things about it. And obviously Octopath is one of them. But uh, the Theater Rhythm game that just came out, i always been curious about them, but people absolutely love this new one. And then one that I was starting to check out was Paranormous Site, which is a visual novel. Mm, yeah. And the little bit i played of it so far, I do like, but I was like surprising because it's like, really high quality like it's really well done which is kind of odd right because i'm not i'm not used to them putting out something like this but i really like it and with all of these like cool titles obviously you only get stinkers right like i remember forspoken coming out and everyone just absolutely dogpiling on it (laughs) and I'm starting to see people kind of come around to it slowly. You know, like a lot of people are like, it's it's a flawed gem. Other people still say it's terrible. I I do think the dialogue is terrible. Like you, if you told me that game's dialogue was written with AI, I might believe it. But Which it might be, yeah. <laughs> but it, yeah, it could be, you know, but it. I played the demo of that and I really like the combat. Like I really like the the magic in that. To me it felt more experimental than say Final Fantasy 16's magic system which just, you know, obviously felt like Devil May Cry. But Forspoken seemed really interesting when I first like heard about it. But you know, you look at some of their other ones that didn't do too well and yeah, Diofield was one of them, which I was very interested in because it looked cool. Um, Valkyrie Elysium, like they they tried to like 
bring back some of these franchises and it's just you can feel the the soullessness of it and i think when you said like oh these characters felt like blank a lot of their games that don't hit well they feel like that and it's a shame because i think that these games would be more interesting if they did have soul and i don't know if ai would be able to fix that because okay instead of you know a blank character now you have a character that says something but is it is it going to make sense or is it even going to fit the situation and it's it's hard to say like oh would something fix that but mm-hmm. i think that when you look at their release list it's like maybe they should tone down the amount of games they put out a year just yeah, because it's like they've spread out pretty far and they they've hit the mobile market really hard lately too so they're, they're yeah. just going on everything and it's a shame because you can tell that the developers didn't have enough time to put everything in because like i mean going back to forespoken which is a shame because like forespoken looks really cool like the visuals and the concept art and everything like it looks like it should be a really really interesting game but the dialogue and the character development just did not sell it and if you look at footage of it you know running around the world you can run around so damn fast that you don't even get to take in any of the details. And I think that's kind of the shame of this. Whereas like Final mm-hmm. Fantasy 16 is a beautiful environment that you walk around in, right? Like you can sprint, but you still get to take in all the visuals and notice all these amazing vantage points that are overlooks to these beautiful things that were created. And for so spoken doesn't give you that time to do that, which I, it's an interesting choice, right? Like, because they made such a, you know, big open world. They were, I can see they're trying to think of ways to, you know, make the character or make the player not bored and let them run around as fast as they can to get to the point A to point B. But it it takes away from some of that Square Enix magic that is usually built into these things. And I think it's really funny that, like, a lot of these games that Square Enix made in the past that really hit hard. Right. Like think about these Final Fantasy games like Final Fantasy nine. That story was beautiful, but there's no voice dialogue. (laughs) Right. Like, so why is it that they can't make a script that is actually meaningful anymore? Like what is going on? And it has to be the fact that they're, you know, wearing themselves out by spreading out too thin and they're focusing on like cash grabs like the NFTs or the new Final Fantasy um, mobile game. I was super jazzed. Didn't for they just I, close one and then start? Yeah, they had Ever Crisis and now mm-hmm. they shut down their their other one, which it's like, so all that money people spent is gone? Like, yeah, it's completely gone. It's just a dead game. And that is going to rub players the wrong way, right? Like you can't make games like that. Like, Can you imagine if, let's say, like Siege, tomorrow said hey we're closing all of our servers thank you for playing hope you guys have a great day right or even like something like Mm -hmm. apex like those players will probably never play one of their games again right like especially like something like apex people have dumped so much money into that game it's insane and it's just you know you can't really do that and i think square enix is trying to 
break into a market because they're looking to make money because of how much money they've lost. They need money quickly. So they're, they're, you know, sacrificing certain things and they're not thinking about the longevity of it all, right? Like they don't understand the repercussions of what happens whenever you kill a game that has microtransactions like that. Like some people have really put a lot of money into it and they're willing to put a lot of money more than that $60 price tag that it would normally be for a Square Enix game, right? So like you're you're hurting your fan base with that, right? And you're they're just not delivering because Square Enix used to be known as not only the ones that pump out the best visuals, but the best stories as well. And like as far as like visuals go for their bigger games, like Final Fantasy 16, I mean, even Forspoken, they look gorgeous, right? Like they still have the visual thing down. Their animators are pros at what they're doing, but they're letting the stories go by the wayside. And if you're making, you know, 30 games a year and you only have X amount of writers, there's probably overlap with what games they're actually working on, right? So it it must be really difficult for these guys. I, I do feel bad for the people working on this stuff because they probably don't get enough time to actually make it what they want it to be. Uh, Because Square Enix, with the money that they're losing, they're probably trying to push these things out as fast as possible. And they're putting the whole, like, good enough stamp on these things and then just hoping for the best, right? But then whenever, like, I don't know how much they spent on making Forspoken, but then whenever you look and it only has, like, you know, out of the Google user reviews, a 29%. (laughs) That's not good, right? Like, that's pretty bad. Or on Steam, it only has a 6 out of 10. And for Steam, that's like a death sentence, right? Like, anything below a 9, and you're, you have a bad game on your hands. So it, it's tough. I, I do feel bad for these guys, because, like, they are trying. They definitely are, because you can't just rely on Final Fantasy. And I think that's what they're trying to realize right now, or they're trying to push past that. Because if they only did that, then they would only be making money every five years, five, six years, maybe even 10 years, right? Depends on how long it takes to make their game. Like, how long did it take for um, 12 to come out? Like, that took a very, very long time, <laughs> right? So, mm-hmm. or even like, so it, they can't depend on those. So they need these smaller titles and they need another big title to hit. So it almost feels like they're doing the whole spaghetti at the wall technique, right? They're sprinkling in some of these remakes and remasters to catch the nostalgia feels. So like your Star Oceans, things like that, which are great. They're keeping certain uh, like trends alive, like Dragon Quest, they're trying to keep it relevant. Like uh, they have a couple mobile versions. They have it on every platform now, right? Like that's smart, but they were able to diversify with that. But then they're holding certain things a little too close to the vest, like their Final Fantasy games, like you mentioned. It's only on PlayStation, right? So that's definitely not going to sell as much. Not everybody has a PS4, PS5, right? Like, it just doesn't work that way. But if they put it on PC, I'm sure their sales would have been astronomically better, right? So the choices that they're making are very strange, I would say. And some of these other titles that are coming out, like, you know, going back to Diofield Chronicle, like, that looks like a cool game. It looks pretty interesting. But it's not... Like, it's one that I could definitely wait on. <laughs> like, I don't feel like I need to play this game. Uh, or yeah, even, like it, it, there's nothing like grabbing me of like, I need to play this. This looks amazing. Where like Triangle Strategy, when I first saw that, I was like, oh, crap, I want this game. Like, I need to play mm-hmm. this. Like there was 
definitely you can feel the amount of work that was put into it versus things like Diet Field, right? Or even like their card games. The the voice of cards games are actually very, very good. I really enjoyed my time with them. They're very short, right? Uh, and the three games that are in the Voice of Cards series, they are basically the same game, just different stories pasted on top with different skins. So when going back to the AI idea behind here, I can see how, like, let's say they make Voice of Cards into a long going thing, right? Maybe there's 15 different Voice of Cards series going on. They can do that because why not get a prompt or an idea or something like that from AI and then just expand on it, right? Like what new world are we going to be exploring in now? Here we go, right? And I, I could see AI being used for that. And, you know, the voice guard series is voice acted as well. So it makes sense if they just kind of keep pumping those ones out too, then, you know, just use AI speech for it, especially if it's such a smaller game. Because if you look at the like Steam reviews for Voice of Cards, uh, the Isle of Dragons specifically, there's only about a thousand reviews on there. That's not that much for Steam. Like Steam usually has like tens of thousands, right? But it's especially still from a big company. Yeah, and you know that game with those one thousand views or reviews has a nine out of ten. Like that's still a solid review rating. It's just not getting put out there. It's not. They're not talking about it enough and. They can't market all of these games that are coming out because they have too many. And it's across a very wide breadth of genres, right? Like you have your card games, you have your massive JRPGs, you have your your RTS strategy games, you have your rhythm games, you have, right? Like right now they don't have the money to properly market this stuff. And it is a shame because some of these could be considered like, I'm curious if, you know, 10, 15 years from now, we look back and everyone's like, you know, like Diofield Chronicle, that was the best game that came out that year and nobody noticed it, right? Or, you know, like I could see something like that happening because there might be some real hidden gems here that just aren't being talked about enough or they're not in the limelight because it's getting flooded by all this other things that are coming out, right? Like they're just doing a little too much, I think. It's interesting because, you know, I, I remember a few years ago now, I think, or God, maybe it was only like a year ago. They had the quiet man come out and, uh, oh, yeah. So many people said it was like one of the worst games made in a long time. Right. Because it, I mean, it is pretty cringy. It only came, well, it came out five years ago now. Damn. Um, and it was live action. Right. And everyone's like, what is this? Like, what is square doing? And, uh, it's interesting because you see that they had, they didn't really mess with anything like FMV until, uh, this year, actually. Um, uh, it's called the, uh, actually it was last year, uh, the centennial case. And I actually, um, watched this game, um, for the most part. And it's honestly really damn cool. Um, mm -hmm. Seems like people who have played it really do like it too. And I noticed that FMV is seemed like it's bigger in the East than mm -hmm. here. Just because, I mean, think about FMV games out here. Like, I mean, nowadays they're a lot better, especially with like uh, Sam Barlow's stuff with like immortality and telling lies. Like it's, the genre has gotten better 
in a lot of ways. But when you look at a lot of these that are coming from Japan, China, Korea, they're done really well and they're rated very, very high. And it's interesting seeing uh, that game do really well. And that's why it's like, oh man, they're like weird titles do really, really well. And yeah, I remember, you know, right before the NFT thing, they were trying to do live service, like with Babylon's Fall and, um, you know, with their four Final Fantasy mobile games that are all gachas. It's it's crazy. Like, I remember, I feel like 10 years ago, there was a Final Fantasy mobile game I played. And nowadays, I don't even see it anymore. So, yeah, they're always trying to do a cash grab without focusing. Mm-hmm. And I think... To me, yeah, it's great to see them acknowledge Valkyrie Profile with coming out a new game, even though it's it wasn't, you know, well regarded and stuff like that. It it gives people a hope that you know, oh, maybe this other older franchise will come back, right? I see many people thinking that Xenogears will come back and it'll be a fixed story, which you know would be awesome. It'd be cool to see that. But in a lot of ways, with what we see, how do we really feel about it, right? Like, they, they're able to handle remakes and remasters really damn well. But when they try to create a spinoff or a modern sequel to some of these older franchises, they're just not done well. And I think, and it's two ways. I think nostalgia really blinds a lot of us when it comes to these franchises and that on top of square trying to pump these games out, probably, you know, pushing crunch on everybody and overworking it, you know, you're not going to get these kind of highly regarded games. Like keep going back to Valkyrie, but it's like, you know, Valkyrie profile is very well regarded for the original PlayStation and it's sequel, you know, people really liked, but it's like, you can't really replicate that nowadays. And I think that's something that, you know, when you look at Square Enix's library, yeah, you can do that, but how many can you do? Mm -hmm. And like, I'm hoping from here on out, like, yeah, we'll see a bunch of, like, remasters. Like, it'd be cool to see what they do with, like, Star Ocean 2 and do that for a lot of their other older games, right? Like, keep that style for the PlayStation era. And then same with, like, Octopath with that 2.5D. Do that for their, like, Super Nintendo era. Like, it'd be cool to yeah, see that'd be awesome. all those games brought back, not just for, like, cool new visuals but for a lot of people to experience those games because you know it's easy for me to sit here and be like well these people can play those games anytime right you just download them on the internet but 50 percent or more you know only are on console they'll never experience these games that either didn't come out out here or only came out back then but then you have the other half that are like, oh, I don't want to download these because I, I don't feel right about doing it. 
And it's sad because there's so many old games that are just lost in time, especially with Square Enix. You know, you go back to, you know, Super Nintendo, Super Famicom, PlayStation. They have so many titles that either didn't come out out here, Enix and Squaresoft, or they're just lost on those consoles. And it's a shame because I think those games would do really well nowadays, right? A lot of people are showing interest in some of these older franchises and titles because the ideas were so innovative at the time. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, for me, I know I've played a lot of these, but it'd be cool to see like the younger generation, like experience some of these games. Cause it's like, you know, they're, they're unique. They're different. And I think that they should focus heavily on that and, you know, keep going with their little one-offs. I think that they should just maybe narrow it down a little bit so these things can be, like, tip-top shape. Yeah, so they can breathe, right? Like, that's the big thing. They don't give their games enough time to breathe to really gain any popularity at all. Like, I think that's the biggest issue there. It's sad. I, I mean, look at Stranger of Paradise. When that came out, people were, like, dogging on it because of chaos. And mm-hmm. I feel like only the past maybe, like, three months, four months, I'm seeing people, like, praise it because of the job system. And I, I played a little bit of it, too. I think I have maybe, like, four hours into it. And it's cool. It really, it, it's less like Dark Souls and maybe more like Neo, like it's uh, faster paced. But I love that you can change your class on the whim. Mm. Um, and it's cool because it, it's all the Final Fantasy classes, right? Like you have your warrior, you have your lancer, you have your mages. Like it, it has that job system of like, you know, Final Fantasy V, but in this action game. And it's cool. Like every class feels special. And after playing that, I'm like, damn, I kind of wanted that for 16. Like it, this. A job class would have been really interesting. Class. Yeah. And it makes me want to play more of this game because I know there's also like hybrid classes if you merge them. So, I mean, that's cool too. Mm, and yeah, the good. story is, you know, kind of corny, but it it's still a really cool game. And I think a lot of times with their more modern stuff is something you realize like, oh, in time, people are saying good things about them. Just at launch, they're not. Right. Yeah, it's a shame. I'm very curious about the future of Square Enix, where they're going to go from here, like what they're going to be able to accomplish. You know, like they, they've always been a studio to pump out a lot of games and try new things and try out different stuff. But there's only so many like big hits that they have and they just kind of keep rinse and repeating them. And they're still great games to this day. And you can tell that nostalgia really feeds in heavily to their style or to their games that they come out with. Um, But yeah, like I said, there's a lot of dead games that would be cool to see come back, especially since that we now know that remakes and remasters do and can make money. uh, Right. Like it just, it would be really interesting. Like, 
I mean, let's uh, let's bring up Vagrant Story again and just do that, right? That'd be great. Um, anyway, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> that'd be <laughs> that'd be awesome. <laughs> That's gonna be the running joke of this show is Vagrant Story. I'm gonna see how many times I can bring it up. Anyway, <laughs> watch like, we won't play it at all this year, even though we keep I, saying it. <laughs> I know, right? I think that would be even funnier. No, <laughs> but anyway, no. It, with the AI stuff, I mean, it's. It is a interesting area to be in. Um, I mean, it is part of the tech field in general. Uh, the, I mean, there's jobs now out there in which you can just type for AI, right? They ask you to explain quotes and develop it better and have it be more genuine and come off more, you know, like a real response rather than a very formulated one. So, I mean, right now it's still very early. So a lot of those answers and a lot of the prompts and things like that they can feel very, you know, generic and they can you can tell it's made by AI or even with the artwork now with like things like Midjourney. Midjourney makes really great artwork. Uh, some of the stuff they generate is crap still, right? But it is getting very, very good. Uh, so it, I would not be surprised to see more studios becoming more open about the fact that they are in fact using AI to generate things. I mean, even in corporate businesses, I can't tell you how many times I've heard People say, I don't know what to email this person. And someone else just says, oh, just use ChatGPT. I do it all the time. And just put in what you want to, like some points you want to hit and how you want it to come off and then just send them that, right? Like, or use that as a a writing point to then just like express what you actually want want it to say and how to add your own voice to it, right? So I, I think that a lot of businesses are going to be looking into how to use it better uh, I think that people in gaming, or especially the gaming community, are very quick to latch on to any sort of hatred <laughs> for new ideas. So that could be why this is like, causing so much commotion. I mean, as far as the other area of uh, Square Enix using or creating an NFT video game, uh, that to me is just silly. You know, like uh, <laughs> like the AI stuff, I could see, I can kind of get where they're going at, especially with how many titles they're coming out with. But NFTs, come on, man. Don't make an NSC video game. That's weird. Um, it's probably not going to do. It's not going to do good. I can already tell it's not going to do good, and they're just going to be mad. Then they're going to lose even more money off of it, especially after offloading games like Tomb Raider. Right? They no longer own Tomb Raider. They sold it so that they can focus on developing this NFT video game. Right? Like that's ridiculous. But anyway, there, there's a lot going on, and it just kind of shows the ever-changing market of the video game industry as a whole. AI is here to stay. Now it's just a matter of how do we use it and how like how can we appreciate it? Like, can you say that a story that you read that is generated by AI is maybe like the most inspirational thing you've ever read, right? Or can it have that same impact if you know that it was made by AI? Or do we just have that preconceived notion that this is soulless, right? Like there there's something to that. Like if you read an amazing novel and you really, really connected with it. And then at the end, it tells you this was written by AI. Would it still have that same impact? Right. So I I think that as a society as a whole, we're just kind of against that idea. We feel like it doesn't have any soul behind it. There's no life. There's no life experience built into it. Right. And that's what makes these stories that much more impactful. Uh, If it's used correctly um, and what is the correct way to using it? We don't know yet. We haven't seen it yet. Uh, So it kind of makes sense that some of these studios are testing out new things. It's just surprising that someone as big as Square Enix is openly 
becoming an advocate for AI, right? And uh, that I think that's what is surprising. I could see it being more of like an indie thing. And then eventually the AAA studios will take the gamble and start using it. But who knows, maybe this is going to be more of a trend uh, that we see in the future. I mean, we have AI-generated computer animations, right? Uh, There's a lot of games out there that are using that or AI to create animations themselves to make them feel more fluid. And it does. It actually works. So it, it can be used in very interesting ways and, like I said, correct ways. But we're still trying to figure out what is the correct way, what works. So it takes somebody really taking that chance and that gamble to test it out to let everyone else in the industry know. So, yeah. Well, all right, that's going to do it for us this week. Thank you guys so much for joining us. I uh, hope you guys enjoy this little conversation. And what do you guys think about AI and video games? Are you pro for it, against it? Do you think it has no place in the creative field at all? Do you think that it is taking creativity away from us, right? It's making everyone into artists, so it makes art less important. I don't know. You tell us. <laughs> I'm kind of okay with it as a jumping off point if it's used as a tool. But anyway, we'll talk to you guys next week with some more games and all that good stuff. Uh, but until then, bye for now.